Good evening and welcome to another episode of Unstoppable Overcomers. I'm your host, Dorothy O'Dell, for this evening. And I just have to give a shout out to our sponsor for today's show is Be Oily with Bonnie. Uh, so for all your doTERRA oil needs, go to beoilywithbonnie.com or give her a text or a call at 810-414-0929. I have the distinct pleasure of having Mr. Johnny Walker on the show. Welcome to the show, Johnny. Hi, Dorothy. How are you? I am amazing. And I'm, I'm truly honored to have one of the best veterans that I know of. I mean, I know lots. And, and Johnny, it's the distinct honor to have you here on the show. I've been trying for almost a year to get you here. And here we are. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't I don't know about any bad veteran, but there's just something special. I, I shared with Johnny before we came on. I went to an Angels 14 call and all I heard about this is this Johnny Walker guy. And I was just like, who is this Johnny Walker? Because he's all over the news. He's all over everywhere. He, and he's never able to uh, get to every meeting course. Neither am I. But then Johnny shows up and I'm like, now I know why everybody talks about Johnny Walker. <laughs> So, uh, welcome. It's an honor to be here, Dorothy. And I, and and I told you I'd be on, uh, and I apologize. I just it's I have a very busy uh, life. You are very busy, and I get it. I I just had to razz you a little bit because I had somebody say to me, "Oh my god, it took like me nine months to get on your show." Because sometimes I'm booked up. Like I get I, I get a lot of people, and then they give me they razz me. So I thought, well, you know, I got to razz one of my veterans. <laughs> Well, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> uh, we're, we're happy to have you. So tell us a little bit about your overcoming story. Uh, we'll, we'll start with there and then we'll just simply have a conversation. Okay, sure. I mean, uh, I, uh, in short, I mean, it's a long, long story. I would say, you know, I, I, my childhood wasn't easy. Um, I think that if you look at, you know, the military, you'll find a lot of, uh, especially the Marine Corps, um, uh, people that join the Marine Corps generally come from very like broken families. Um, my father was a Marine before me, uh, left, uh, left me when I was a child on a driveway, said he needed gas and then never showed back up. Um, uh, so he did come back into my life, uh, somewhat, uh, and, uh, but he was never really like a dad, more of a father. Um, he did give me some advice and he was there for me a few times later in my adult life. Um, but it was really me and my mom and my sister against the world. Um, grew up horse ranching. So the day I was I was old enough to pick up a shovel, I was literally shoveling. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah I was shoveling <laughs> shit. Um, and then, you know, on the side, I'd go work on a produce farm. And then after that, me and my friends would cut, you know, cut grass with like old lawnmowers to make money. And if I was lucky, there was a cattle ranch. My sister was friends with the daughter or the owner. And that was the best pay. And if one of the, you know, ranch hands wasn't around, they'd, you know, ask me to come over. I was pretty good at roping and riding. So, um, you know, they'd have me come over there. Um, so I grew up, uh, you know, in, in Ohio. Uh, my family's all from the mountains of Kentucky. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in Kentucky, um, the deep mountains, Lee County and Corbin. Um, and uh, at age 17, uh, moved to New York City, joined the United States Marine Corps, uh fell in love with the jersey girl and i've been up here ever since so most of my life i've been in the new york city metropolitan area now because i'm getting getting old um i, love that. I didn't know that you're originally from ohio so that's awesome yeah I did not know that. 
Um, my family's all from Beattyville, Kentucky and Corbin, Kentucky. Um, both my grandfathers were coal miners and they moved up north looking for work. Um, so you'll, you'll hear my accent sometimes is a little Southern and then sometimes a little New York. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, it depends on who I'm speaking to. If I've been speaking to my friends back home or family, uh, I definitely get that Southern, uh, drawback. Right. Um, but then, uh, uh, so I joined the Marine Corps. Um, uh, I was in a, a serious car accident. Um, uh, it was actually off base. Um, a drunk driver hit, hit us head on. Um, the impact was so strong the my shoulder strap of the of my seatbelt ripped out of the car. The lap belt stayed in and, and I got split almost into two. The only thing holding me together was my skin and some some of my muscle muscle tissue. Um, so I had to have reconstructive surgery on, uh, five of my lumbars. Uh, they had to take a rib and one part of my hip to fix it. Um, so I've got six screws, two rods, two gates in my spine, eight screws and a rod in my left tibula, my left shin bone, um, and two rods in my right, uh, right arm. So the Marine Corps put me, I was with six communications battalion, which is fourth division reserves. Um, I had a job at Deutsche Bank, which was uh, the old Bankers Trust building, uh, building directly on Liberty Street, directly south of uh, uh, next uh, across the street from the South Tower of the World Trade Center. Mm -hmm. um, that morning, uh, I was late for work. Um, it was one of the first times I'm like, I'm late for everything, but I'm never late for work. Right. Um, and uh <laughs> My wife, my wife will tell you, like she's the drives are crazy because I'm late. I would be late for my own funeral. I would I'm, never have guessed about that that with you. I figured oh, yeah. never. I'm very I'm late for everything. I'm notoriously late for everything except for work. I'm always on time for work. And so this is the first time I was ever late. And one of the guys actually had two people that worked for me and he called me up. Oh, a plane hit the World Trade Center. And I was just like, ah, you know, New York, New Yorker style. It's nothing go to work. So at the time I was living in Staten Island. I had to take the Staten Island Ferry to Manhattan and uh, I was on the ferry when the second plane hit and I actually could see the ripples of the explosion um, coming across the water wow. and they stopped the ferry and sent it back to Staten Island. And my wife, who's current, she was my girlfriend at the time, but my wife um, only lived three blocks from the World Trade Center. Um and back then we didn't have these nice smartphones. We had flip phones. Didn't even, they didn't even have cameras on them. Right. Um, and so I immediately called her and she, uh, you know, she was on the 16th floor uh, view right there of which actually some of her pictures and her story is an exhibit at the 9-11, an official, uh, it's called a survivor's exhibit at right. the 9-11 Memorial Museum. Um and I was on the phone with her. I could see the towers plain as day. And when they collapsed, I could, last thing I heard was her screaming. All cell phone service went out and I just watched the buildings cover her building. So I thought for sure she was dead. Um, the 6th Com Battalion uh, was called in to make a makeshift morgue in Staten Island, Yankee Stadium. It's a, like a minor league stadium in Staten Island. And you could see the, the you know, the fires. Um, they set up body bags. Nobody was coming in. A good friend of mine who was in the National Guard, who also lived in Staten Island, knew where I was. So he came by, he found me, and he was like, Walker, I'm going in to help. And he's like, do you want to come with me? And I looked around, and I'm like, 
yeah, let's go. And so I put on some civilian clothes, had my boots on still, but I had jeans and civilian clothes. I actually going to go ahead and admit it. I stole a Corman pack, um, med pack, put it in my backpack. And we went down to the ferry, met up with some firefighters and showed them our military IDs and said, hey, we want to help. And they said they could use any help they can get. Uh, I rode the ferry across. And in my mind, I, I was still naive. I had this like thought that I was going to go over there and save a bunch of people, you know, like I, I'm, I don't care what I got to do. I'm going to get somebody out of that. Right. And I can remember I got off the ferry and um, I mean, the, the you know, I'm in a documentary and I'll try to keep it short. Um, but I can remember getting off the ferry. There's an army of EMS ambulances and everybody's just sitting there with their hands on their heads. And I remember thinking, come on, guys, follow me. Let's go get them. You know, hurrah, come on. You know, that right. for spirit, you know. And as right. I, I walked up through the five points of Manhattan, which is a, a historic area, I knew the area well because I worked right there. So I knew how to get there. And the dust just got deeper and deeper. And you'd see a shoe, a briefcase, a hat just laying there. And there was still burnt paper uh, floating down, like kind of like a fall day. Wow. Um, right. You know, leaves falling. And they're, you know, the like lit like cigarette, you know, like on the corner of papers just falling out of the sky. And it, the, you know, it got deeper and deeper. And I turned the, the corner right at the old uh, church where the Burger King used to be, where I used to eat lunch. They set up a makeshift command center there. And um, I just went over it. The moment I turned that corner, the level of destruction, you don't see it on any movie or picture. It doesn't explain the level i like the magnitude mm -hmm. um and right then i knew like i wasn't getting anybody um but you just do anyway you know you try um i think well even just watching that as a civilian we're like okay they've got to report somebody that's still alive i, I even remember it i was working at leisure trailer sales in uh in windsor and it was the first and only time we were allowed to watch the news at work and i remember that day like it was yesterday and so yeah. here i'm thinking okay there's got to be people alive but i can't imagine you know you being right there and especially having your girlfriend there yeah i i well i before i left i did know she was okay um full disclosure she had to actually she went across the brooklyn bridge i got and once she got safe so i knew she had gotten to brooklyn um she called my my that was the house i was living at in, in staten island on the landline so i knew she was uh safe but she had nothing she had to cross the brooklyn bridge with her person her pajamas literally and that and she was stuck in Brooklyn for three days. But then when I turned that corner, the the, the, th the first sight I that will always, I'll never forget, was these giant beams of, of, of steel that were so hot. They were burning like a light filament and an old light bulb. Um, and there were cops, there were firemen, there were construction workers. And I mean, it was kind of chaotic. Everybody was just doing what they could. Um, so I went to the command center. I was like, what can I do? And they just said, try to find, you know, uh, pieces and, and artifact and belongings and, you know, body parts go here, you know, uh, wow. belongings go here, you know, IDs go there, uh, whatever you find. And 
I, to this day, even after going through um, TRP and a lot of therapy to clear it, um, the PTSD from it, which I I'm, can, I would never be able to talk about it today had I not um, uh, been part of that documentary. Um, uh, you know, I don't remember how long I was there, um, but I do remember uh, why I left. Uh, apparently, I wasn't the only person from my unit that decided to go. And I, I, I'll never forget. It was a captain. I don't know. I remember. I don't remember his name, but it was a captain. I remember his rank on his uniform from the National Guard. I was like, "Are you one of the missing Marines?" And I guess my haircut must have given it away. Um, and I was like, uh, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Well, you're. Are you in six com?" And I'm like, "Yes." He's like, "Well, you have orders to go home because your unit might be deployed. You have to go home and wait by the phone." Oh and uh, so I left. Uh, I don't know what time it was, but I do know the sun was coming up as I was uh, walking in my door, um, covered in dust. Uh, for those of you that are out there that have dealt with PTSD, my biggest trigger, you know, was uh, when I was awake anyway, um, was smell. Uh, a lot of first responders out there might know know this, um, especially in, in, in law enforcement. A lot of people don't realize uh, the smell of pig uh, cooking and the smell of human flesh burning are almost identical. And the smell down there was like a mix of dusty debris, jet fuel and burning bodies. And so in the summertime, when you go by a barbecue and especially a propane, you know, barbecue, if somebody's cooking, you know, pork of any kind, uh, I would literally just lose a day or two of my life where I was just a shell of a human, uh, just going through the motions. And, you know, during the day, uh, I was a shell of a person. And at night I barely slept for 20 years. If I slept more than an hour and a half, it was a lot. And if I did sleep, it meant, you know, dreams of blisters on my hands and, you know, the screams of ghosts that I couldn't save. Right. Um, but, uh, uh, after that, um, <laughs> my mother got really sick, uh, and, um, it took her six years to die from a very rare neurological disease called, uh, multiple system atrophy. Um, and watching her pass away, that's when I hit my lowest of, of lows, I think, in my life. Like, it finally beat me down. Um, uh, so I had some dark days, uh, during that time. Um, and then I, I, uh, you know every doctor I'd go to back then they see my injuries and they give me painkillers, painkillers, painkillers. And I can remember the first time I, I was like, I don't want to take painkillers. I didn't take it. I thought I had the flu and I called my doctor up and I'm like, I, I think, I think I need Tamiflu. I think I have the flu. And he's like, are you taking the pills that I gave you? I'm like, no, I don't want to take them. And he's like, no, you don't have the flu. You have withdrawal. And I'm like, withdrawal from what? And it literally took me three years to stop, like to wean myself off of painkillers. Um, one of the worst things, uh, I, I would never recommend it for anybody. It yeah. shouldn't be called painkillers. It should be called pain forgetters because it actually lowers your pain tolerance. And it, it's, it's, it's terrible. Um, and of course it was the height of, of the time. Um, and, uh, Back in like 2008 is when uh, I finally was like, yeah, no more um, and uh, rebuilt my life. And, you know, uh, so I've reinvented myself a million times. Um, right. I've been successful sometimes and I've I've failed a lot. 
Um, uh, it's one of the reasons why uh, when I became CEO of my own company, uh, <laughs> ironically enough, it was harder for me to find health insurance because all the health insurance people were like, well, no, we have plans where your employees pay. I'm like, no, my employees aren't going to pay. You know, like I don't want them to pay because I've had so many crappy jobs. You know, I didn't like I'm trying, yeah. you know, like, no, you're, if you're working for me, you're not going to be working a crappy job. No toxic culture, you know, company right. culture. Like if you're working for me, your family. I, I love that, Johnny. I love that. And not too many employers are like that. So that's that's awesome. I just want to go to the comments for one quick minute. We do have some people here oh. that um, are showing up. Uh, Mel Melanie says hello from Massachusetts. Melanie, hi. Greg is showed up from the Keys. He's a marathon now. Michelle, thanks for joining us. She's out in California. Our friend Tammy. Tammy! <laughs> Thank you guys for being here for Johnny and uh, so supporting him. And I just, again, want to uh, give a shout out to our sponsor, which is Bonnie Herb with Be Oily with Bonnie. Uh, so for all your doTERRA oil needs, give her a call or a text at 810-414-0929 or go to www.beoilywithbonnie.com. So Johnny, I just want to thank you so much for being uh, authentic and vulnerable with us and sharing those those moments. And I can't imagine, you know, what was going through your mind. Or, and of course, it probably you probably shut that part of yourself off as you were going down there at 9-11, um, you know, and really just as you're, like I said, picking up identif identification or bodies and things like that. But do you remember anything that was going through your mind or did you just basically shut down? No, I, rem I, I, I remember. Um, I mean, I, I'll have to, I have to give credit where credit's due. And one of my friends actually told me like, I, I need to give myself more credit because, uh, cause I used to be very, no, 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 no. Anybody else would have done that. And he, uh, it was a brother Marine and he was like, Johnny millions, millions of people were running away and you ran into it. And, um, that I credit to to the Marine Corps um, and what the Marine Corps instilled in me, what the Marine Corps trained in me. And that is our motto, always faithful and always faithful isn't just to the core is to everybody, every American, you know, it's to the Constitution of the United States. And those were innocent people and working right next door. I mean, the people that I was trying to get to, I had passed a, a thousand times on a daily basis. I probably sat down next to him at that Burger King one day and ate lunch. So it really was like, I, I had this, my thought, you know, even though I deep down inside, I knew was like, I would want them to do that for me. Had mm -hmm. I been in that building. Cause if I wasn't late for work, I know for a fact, I would have been in there trying to get as many people out as I could. And I wouldn't be here talking to you today um, without a second thought. You know, I know I, that's what I would have done. Um, and that isn't because I'm some kind of special hero. It's because I'm a United States Marine. And that is what a United States Marine does. Um, and, and did you always want to be a Marine? Or you just went in the Marines because that was what your family did? Or is that just... I will be 100% honest with you. So I, I was dating a girl that was a hippie uh, at the time. This is before I knew my wife. My wife met me uh, when I, afterwards because we broke up because of this. 
And um, I was walking down the street and my dad was a Marine and I saw the Marine, you know, the recruiting station and I was a skinny, skinny kid. And I, and I went to the station, the, the recruiting office and they had a pull-up bar right next to the door. And it, he was a sergeant and he goes, give me a pull-up. He didn't even ask my name or anything. He goes, give me a pull-up. I couldn't even do one pull-up. And he goes, we don't need you. Go down and talk to the army. They'll take you. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, wait a second. No, I want to join the Marine Corps. And he's like, all right, we'll give you an ASVAB. We'll give you a practice ASVAB. If you score high enough, I'll put you into late entry. And when you can do the pull-ups, we'll send you to boot camp. And I got a really, really, really high score on the ASVAB. When they saw it, he was like, oh, all right, deal's the deal. You go. So I actually had to do a delayed entry program where I had to gain weight and also uh, <laughs> muscle, um, basically, <laughs> uh, because I wasn't strong enough and I wasn't strong enough to even go to boot camp. Um, but once I, I, I only had, it took about four months and then and then I went to boot camp. But it but I. I remember I had, I was eating like eight meals a day. You know, I put a pull-up bar in my bathroom. So every time I went to the bathroom, I'd do one pull-up until I could get, you know, enough. And I was practicing every day. I would do, you know, three, 400 sit-ups and push-ups. You know, I just wow. bust out 10 or 15 push-ups here. And then I'd run everywhere I went. I stopped taking the, the subway. You know, I stopped uh, taking the bus. I'd run to everywhere. Um, and wow. I got in, yeah. That's an intense workout. Okay, so I was I've been following uh, people athletes to see what their regimen is, but maybe I should be following Marines to get their red their workout regimen. The know? Marine Corps is no joke when it comes to physical uh, fitness. Um, we double everything the Army does, just to keep a keep it in perspective. Uh, well, yeah. gee, then yes, I might have to switch gears here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and that, that's just for Marine basic buddies. training. Yeah. yeah. But the Marine Corps is small. Uh, no offense to the Army. The, the you know Marine Corps is very small. So that's why we don't have medics. We have Navy corpsmen. Every Marine has to be able to fight. Um, all of us has to be combatants. Right. Wow. Yeah. So now you're out of the Marine Corps. You survived and thrived through uh, 9-11. And you were actually in the documentary that Mike Kirk michael geyer had done with uh healing the heroes of 9 11. Yes. Uh, so what was your experience like on that being in that documentary i originally said no uh when mike called me i said no i was like you know i'm a ceo of a company and want anybody to think oh this guy's got ptsd and you know can't run a company and as soon as i hung up the phone i i knew like in my heart like if this could help somebody i'll do it so uh, I called him right back and, uh, you know, they scheduled the movie. I had no idea what who 220 was. Mike uh, didn't tell me. And he just said it was a documentary about 9-11 that basically, and told me, like, what kind of clothes to wear. And, uh, I, you know, no labels. And I, I purposely wore Star Wars socks because I love Star Wars. Um, <laughs> just just the buses, you know, shops. Um, right. I had Yoda socks on and Stormtrooper socks on, and then the next day, Darth Vader. And Darth Vader. But um, so I came down and I told my story the best that I could. And at the time, it was before twenty two zero. I didn't even know who twenty two zero was. I got there. They're like, I remember Nick uh, Davis and Dan Jarvis and Joe Niagara um, all met me at the door. They're like, we're from twenty two zero. Blah blah blah. So I give the story, and then <laughs> they tell me, you know, on Friday they're going to film me at Ground Zero, and I hadn't been back to Ground Zero, like. I had friends that would come from out of town. I would, my wife and I, we would 
take them two blocks and we say go two blocks that way we're gonna go get a falafel call us when you're done and we'll bring you back home you know um and uh i remember doing it and then after they filmed the first day they were like you're gonna come back you're gonna do this thing called trp with 220 and then we're gonna film you at the uh 9-11 museum and i looked them straight in the eye and i was like i don't give up what you do tomorrow mm -hmm. i'm not going to that you're not getting me to ground zero right came in thursday i did the trp with 220 and i remember walking to my car getting into my car starting it and then it dawned on me i didn't check the corners as i passed and for i had been hyper vigilant for 20 years, I never walked past a corner without, you know, checking the corner and um, got the best sleep of my life. Uh, well, not my life, but in the last, you know, 19 and a half years. Um, and uh, woke up Friday morning and got my clothes on and went down. Next thing you know, I, they, they had me at Ground Zero in the museum and they filmed me. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, and then as time went on, it actually, <clears throat> excuse me, as time went on, it actually, um, it got better and better. And uh, as it got better, uh, we, we spoke a little bit about this before. Um, that trauma was so severe, it was blocking a lot of other things that I had gone through um, in my past as well as a child and, and my mom and the accident, a lot of other things in my life. And um, once I could clear that that major trauma, you know, I was feeling so good. And then one day I was like, you know, I'm still feeling a certain way. And I called 220 back and they're like, well, let's let's clear that, you know, let's find out what the cause is and let's clear that. And so, you know, I think with every individual is different for me. My onion was kind of a big onion um right. so i had to go you know they did but they've been there for me every time and uh i think i've maybe got three or maybe four hours of my life invested in trp and it's literally changed my life like i cannot even profoundly uh change my life uh the way i um yeah i mean it's it's nuts my wife used to have to sleep like on the edge of the other side of the bed and I'd sleep on the other, cause I'd have night terrors. And now right. I can cuddle my, we go to sleep and I'm hugging her, you know, it's. It was worth it just for that. Yeah, yeah, it used to be, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd, you know, run around the house with my K bar, you know, and uh, and check it. Now she wakes me up like, Johnny, did you hear that? Can you go check on that? Um, and I'm like, oh, I'm tired. It's just the dog or something. You know? <laughs> so uh, when you were, when you were at ground zero though, and you know, you were still a Marine back then, did they, they never offered anything for any therapy or anything to help you with? with I got in trouble from the Marine Corps. Uh, um, cause I was technically, I was supposed to be on standby for deployment. Um, so uh, I was enlisted. If I was an officer, I probably would have got like an award and they would have made a bunch of people stand out in the sun and be like, oh, look at, you know, the hero. But I don't I don't want extra credit. I don't, you know, well, I, I think you that. should still get that anyways. Uh, who do we need to, who do we need to talk to? You don't know the Marine Corps very well. <laughs> Enlisted do not get that uh, those types of honors or uh, we just do what we're told and we're expendable. And we know that. 
Yeah. All right. Well, if there is anybody out there that's listening to this right now or on the replay uh, or when on our Roku channel, then please let me know who we need to talk to in order to get Johnny that award. Because <laughs> really, I seriously, I know you know, I know, I know who you are, I know who your heart is, Johnny. But seriously, like, I I can't imagine what you experienced being down there, and you know, and here you are today, being able to share your story. Um, so if anybody is listening right now and, you know, you have PTSD and you've been through some traumatic events, let us know and we will get you uh, in contact with 220 um, or another organization, too, that we work with uh, as well, because, I mean, it, it truly does help our it, it helps our veterans tremendously, those that are willing to get the help. And that's that's the key, Dorothy, is to be honest with you. Like, it, like I, I was saying, I don't mean to interrupt, but that is, I didn't even realize um, I was going through a, a, you, you live in that shell and in suffering for so long, yeah. you just almost accept life is supposed to be suffering. And what I'll just share this really, really quickly, because this is when it really sank in. It was a few months after the documentary. My wife, actually, she uh, went through the TRP because she's a survivor. She wanted to watch the documentary. She wanted to be able to watch the film. And so they gave her TRP so she could watch the film. And she has now been back to ground zero and presented us her story and pictures. Um, so I got we got I have a picture of her with the curator and some great people, Monica Eichen, um, uh, really good people uh, involved with the, that museum. But um, she went out for a girl's night and I was playing board games with my kid, my three kids and uh, probably for like two hours. You know, we were just playing board game after board. clue name a board game. We had it up and um, we finished clue. I remember it was clue distinctly. And my oldest son goes, Daddy, you've had your back to the window for over two hours. And I looked behind myself and I was like, wow. And but what hit me was that my son had noticed my hypervigilance so i was passing on secondary effects of ptsd similar to what my father did to me mm-hmm. and um family is everything to me my those kids are and my wife are my everything and when i realized that that's when it dawned on me i became a complete disciple of 220 of power of our story of any and our, our company does a lot of reunite the fights. Another one that's there's a lot of nonprofits out there. There's a lot of different ways to approach it. Um, and uh, I've been passionate about it uh, ever, like unbelievably passionate about it ever since. Um, and I've lost a lot of friends to suicide and veteran friends to suicide as well. So um, uh, I didn't realize it. And the point being is I didn't even know I needed help. You know, had I not volunteered for that documentary, I would have continued to live the way I lived, you know. Well, and I think it's probably a divine appointment that made that happen. And and good for you for say, recognizing, too, well, wait a minute, if my kids can see this, I definitely need to get that help. Uh, yeah. So kudos for you for, for doing that. I just want to go back to the comments for one quick minute here. Uh, Tammy says that she loves you. <laughs> and uh, Melanie, totally showing the love. Uh, Greg, another great, uh, great stuff, brother. This interview will save lives. Thank you for being so humble and sharing. Um, if it helps one, <laughs> one, one, one person out there, it's worth it. 
Exactly. And actually, Greg was on. He was episode number 44. So um, Greg knows what that is because because of him being on the show is what got me into the veteran world to begin with. Because after Greg was on our show and we learned at that time, 22 people a day were dying by suicide. Veterans were dying. 22 veterans a day were dying by suicide. Then the number is up to 44. Yeah. I don't know what the latest number is, but I'm praying to God it's less than 44. And uh, that's the, why... the last independent study I saw it was still at 44 to 49. Oh. Okay, yeah. guys, we gotta really I this this is going out there, and you know, this is going to save lives. This will be on our Roku channel within the next week or two as well, uh, once this is complete. So we're out here changing the world one story at a time um you know and thank you for for sharing because i know i know that sometimes it's not always easy you know especially like you said when you have your own own business and there's certain you know you want a potential business person can see this but then they should also see you know we have a human side to businesses too um and so because you've alluded uh, a couple times that you definitely especially with the um, benefits of that, that you, you definitely want your company to be top notch and that people are not just going to, you know, that you want them to stay the long haul. So let's talk about your company. Uh, oh. What made you go from Marines to having your own company? So I, uh, from the Marine Corps, I, I got into logistics. I worked, name it, in logistics. Uh, I've got 20 years. I have a little break. I had my own contracting company for a little while. My my daughter, uh, when she was born, she had a illness that required one of us to stay home. And since I was self <coughs> self employed, uh, I stayed home because my paycheck would have basically just covered hospital bills. And my wife worked for a company that health had health insurance. So for about two years, I was unemployed, and I stayed home and I took care of my daughter. Um, and then when um, <laughs> I was about to go uh to start that i was a contracting company it didn't do bad it paid the bills um and i found out number three was coming so i went back into the logistics world in the logistics i i worked at port newark um i worked at global container terminal here in new york city and then i went back uh i had such a break i had to like work my way up from the bottom again to the top so i went back i became a logistics driver did route logistics then ended up uh becoming a warehouse lead and then from there i got back to the docks and i was working as a marine superintendent back as a marine superintendent at port newark um it, for those of you who know what that is i was in charge of loading and unloading the, all the ships it's a very demanding job i was actually on another documentary on the science channel um for that uh, I didn't know they were showing up one morning. My boss was like, the Discovery Channel's here. It was the Science Channel. He didn't even know what it was. And he's like, uh, I was like, well, what do you, what does it got to do with me? And he's like, well, they're going to film some stuff. Just keep them alive for 12 hours and don't let them talk to the union. And I was like, you got it, boss. You know, so the next thing I know, they got me mic'd up and the cameras and I was on the Science Channel. Um, so if you want to look it it was, um, uh, uh, I think Mega Machines, Sea Giants, Season One, Episode Eight, Mega uh, Mega Port, New York City, or something like that. Um, so I saw myself on TV, and uh, they asked me a question. They were like, "Could humans could be replaced?" And I I said, "No, no way." And then about after I saw myself on TV answer that question, one night it must have been three in the morning. 
I had six or seven different computer screens open, seven or eight different program, different you know technologies and softwares. I had twelve radios. I had a cell, two cell phones, and and three landlines, and blah, 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 everything's going off. I still had to come out of the office in the middle of a snowstorm, get in a fight with a drunken Chechen chief mate. And finally, I was like, you know what? Just go make yourself a sandwich. I'll take care of it. And so he goes back up on the ship. And I actually took a picture of my cell phone of this moment because that's when it dawned on me. There was a better way to do not just supply chain, but all of this. The fact that I had seven different technologies upstairs and they were all supposed to solve this problem and I still had to climb up on the ship. I knew there was a better way to do it. So I made it a mission to find a better way to do it. And um, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, yeah, I'm full blown dyslexic. I'm dyslexic, like diagnosed, full blown, over the top dyslexic. So I, I knew I needed help. You know, I couldn't do it on my own. And I was searching, searching. I was almost ready to give up. And ironically enough, I had a conversation with one of the co-founders and uh, it, it was actually at a family reunion. And um, about a, two weeks later, he calls me up and he's like, Johnny, you know, I think I have an idea that might be able to work. And we talked about it and he was like, I need more help on the technology side and I needed more help on the operation side because I knew a lot about maritime, but I don't have a merchant marines license. So I was never out at sea. Um, and so I worked with a corpsman um, and he and I, I, I trained him on the pier. Uh, uh, and um, yeah, I'm going to sidetrack. This is a funny story. This is how he got, he's a corpsman. Uh, yeah. he, he would be great for the show. I should introduce you to him. Lawrence Fernando, uh, Navy corpsman. We call him Devil Docs in the Marine Corps. And uh, his first day of the jo job, uh, a, a ship, uh, and these are big ships, Dorothy. I mean, ginormous, you know, mm -hmm. and the mooring line snapped. And I ran and I jumped onto the gangway and I climbed up onto the ship and I'm starting, I'm yelling at the crew, blah, 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 blah. And, and this is his first day on the job. And, and then it dawned on me. I'm like, oh crap, I got a trainee in the car and, and, and my <laughs> truck. So I look down at my truck and it's empty. And I look over my shoulder and he's standing right next to me. We became best friends ever since. Um, Somebody you know, who can keep up with Johnny Walker. Unbelievable. Yeah, I well, it was just, you know, it, and we've been, and I, to this day, and, uh, you know, we, we, the next thing you knew, uh, you know, we started out as an idea, and then uh, it grew to, you know, it got bigger and bigger, and then we found some technology. What we did was we took a lot of different advanced technologies, we put it together, and we made it practical and easy, and our ethos has always been and always will be. We do not, like, our success is not judged by profit. Our success is judged by how we serve, one, the United States of America and its community. Two, is our customer and the communities around our customers. We wanted to design technology that was better than big tech technology and give it to the regular citizens so that they can pursue happiness unabated. Because personally, I believe that Americans are trapped and they cannot do that. They have to pick that nine to five, they have to pick that big tech um, mentality or that big finance mentality. Um, and so we want to provide everybody with a level playing field with better technology than what the big tech has. And we've done it. Our technology is the only one of its kind. We've made technology and scientific history twice 
just in 2023, um, wow. which we're pretty proud of. Um, and uh, things are looking good. Uh, I can't complain. Um, I, I'm, you can see, I, I there's a lot of work. I got the bags under my eyes. I, you know, three kids, three dogs. You know, the company it keeps me keeps me very busy, but um, uh, it's it's worth it. Um, just to know that we're, you know, the company itself uh, is we're seeing the impact and we're giving people an opportunity to uh, level the playing field and that's good for the economy. It's good for America. It's good for things. And the beauty of it, I think is like what you're doing, what 22 zero is doing, what we try to embed ourselves with other veteran uh, non-for-profits and other veteran and law enforcement non-for-profits um, because it's a beautiful thing when you see people beat their demons, get there. And if, 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 and, and I, I still have demons, you know, that I need to be, I still make right. mistakes. I'm only human. I'm going to make a lot exactly. more mm -hmm. mistakes. Um, and, and I, and I hope I do because if you're not making mistakes, you're not living. Um, exactly. and, uh, you need to learn from those mistakes. And if we can all come together and we have veteran owned companies, we have, you know, uh, veteran non-for-profits and we work together uh, what can stop us, right? Like, I, I, I exactly. sometimes I, you know, I, I'll go ahead and say it. Sometimes I think they want the veteran community week. They want the veteran community on these suicide cocktails of pharmaceutical medications because if we're weak, we're not a threat. Um, because veterans, we've been trained. We've been highly trained. We went from being responsible for hundreds of millions of dollars worth of equipment and then putting this billion world, all of a sudden, we're we're working at Wendy's and we and we're and we're you know labeled as crazy, you know. Um, what? How is that? You know, like how can you say one second you're responsible for a hundred and forty nine million dollar jet, or, right. or a battalion, you know, a platoon of, of of human lives, and then oh now you're a civilian, you're a threat, you know you got to go work at McDonald's. You got to go mm -hmm. if you're lucky, you know, like, so right. if we can work together, we can change that, you know, absolutely. We can, we can build that community up. I want to see, I would definitely want to see more help when um, you guys change out from military to civilian. And I'm, I'm networking with a lot of different people and I found a company uh, two weeks ago that is veteran owned that actually helps the veterans transition from military to civilian life. So and not only with getting them the help that they need uh, mentally and physically, but also um, helping them find a job that they that is suitable to the, for them. So Offline, please hook me up. I would love to talk to them. I, I will. I will hook you up with them. Uh, I believe it's called Overwatch Partnerships. Uh, I just learned of it, but I'll connect you with the, the guy that I was speaking with last week. Um, I think his name is Mike, but yeah, we're, we're, he's going to be on the show. We're eventually, um, I know he's on, I know he's on my calendar. I just don't remember exactly what day, but, um, yeah, some exciting things. And that's why I, I love working with our veteran community because I mean, they give, they gave their life for us. So now let's give back to them. Right. It's, right. To me, it's only fair. Um, well, you know, whether I, that be in the Canadian or U.S., because, I mean, my family served in in Canada and, you know, you, my brothers and sisters are serving in the U.S. 
Right. I mean, but you have to also remember civilians sell themselves short. Like um, one of the hardest jobs I always say this in the Marine Corps is a Marine Corps mom or wife. Um, and my mom was both. And uh, I volunteered. Right. And I got trained to be, you know, face those types of things. Uh, they didn't. And, you know, their loved ones are out there and they're, you know, they're the ones that have to carry that folded flag back home. Um, and so I, 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 you know, I don't want to say, oh, veterans, 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 because villains are equally play a part, you know, um, in, in, the, in the success of this, of this, of this, if we are going to be successful. And if you think about, let's just say 44 suicides a day, that's not just affecting veterans, that's affecting civilians because mm -hmm. it's, it's their children, their brothers, their sisters, their mothers, their husbands, their wives that are finding them, right, they, and losing them. Um, so this trickles down and really affects the, you know, entire community of, of both Canada and the U.S. Um, and, and, and law enforcement uh, suicide rates are skyrocketing right now. And I, I think we'd be a disservice if we just said veteran, veteran, veteran. Um, mm -hmm. Because every time, you know, a, a police officer say, hey, thank you for serving. And I always say, I'm not wearing a uniform, dude. You're literally still wearing a uniform. Like on Christmas morning, I wake up and I get to, you know, open presents with my kids. You're keeping me safe so I can do that. Like, thank you for your service. You know, um, so I, I really support the law enforcement community and the first responders, you know, firemen and the EMS that are out there working their butts off. You know, 24-7, 365, the job is hard. And and nobody calls the cops when, for their kid's birthday party or bar, bar mitzvah, you know, mm -hmm. unless that bar mitzvah or birthday party got out of control and there was a fight, right? They never get to see the good side of people. They're only called for the bad side. And that's a very demanding thing. And I think I've experienced that through somewhat um, in my life. And uh, so I can identify that. And I could only imagine that being my job on a day-to-day -day basis for third, 25, 30 years. Um, so I definitely want to highlight that, you know, the law enforcement community, first responder community, you know, and the civilian community, it's all one, you know, ecosystem. Yeah. I mean, exactly. It, and you know, and that's why I, to me, this is very important. And I didn't realize I lost my uncle to suicide 24 years ago on Christmas day. So I get it. I get it. You know, I get yeah. the other side. Uh, he was not military or first responder, but it doesn't matter. And the thing of it is with this whole, um, this whole uh, COVID thing, you know, everybody has experienced PTSD and um, seclusion, right? Yeah. And so now, now we have a, you have the pandemic, now we have an epidemic. Uh, and like you said, so that is, that is everybody, um, so thank you so much, though, Johnny, for for sharing that. And, and I love that. And now we have got to bring up the, uh, Kimberly and her amazing guest uh, to the show so that we could do do the fundamentals. So I will uh, hand that over to Kimberly. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Johnny, thank you so much um, for your interview today because it was so powerful. Um, and and I really I really appreciate the close. Um, cause it's not that common, um, to have someone, I mean, we have incredible humans on this show, um, and, and they're incredibly passionate, right. About in their very single focus, which is like 
amazing, right? He gets the job done and it's spectacular. And I just so appreciate, and you just really pulled at my heartstrings because the number that I have that people don't pay attention to is the human suicide rate, which is 132 a day. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, there's many of these and, this, and those are huge numbers, right? Like 44 is a huge number. And yet they're like, the real conversation is we have 132 beautiful human souls hmm. surrendering a day. Right. And just really thank you for bringing that into this show. Um, and especially at such a time as this, right? Where, you know, we're in the spring season, right? Um, and just, it's it's just really great for, I just personally have it as a constant reminder of like, no matter how bad things are or how tough things occur on a given day for myself, it's like, oh, wait, that's right. That's what it's all about. You know, if we just stop one of those 132 today, it's a good day, right? right. Or, or even, or even stop one that is contemplating, you know, like. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, and just to remind everybody everywhere, you don't know who you're looking at. You don't know what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And right. Be that hug, right? Um, be be that one because and that's the biggest thing I've known from all all it's great and I can't wait to turn this over to Christian right we've all been on the front lines either dealing with it personally um, or you know providing service to another with the suicide conversation and what we all know is that it's only taken one soul to save a soul right at that darkest moment so thank you for putting that in for you know, the community and, and the viewers and the audience to really be present to all the humanity each day. You're welcome. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, you know, I, I actually lost uh, two uh, cousins to suicide and they weren't, uh, I have lots of family members of veterans and they weren't, they were, they weren't veterans. Um. Yeah. And, and, and that amazing, eloquent, you know, um, acknowledgement of the, literally the civilians that are the loving family members of the veterans of the police officers you're so on the money they're not trained they're not right. trained. And, and they didn't volunteer for the job it wasn't their choice this is not right. in there ptsd was not in there <laughs> right right so anyway thank you again for that um and with that i'm going to turn it over to christian so so excited to have him on the show and to share his amazing services that he provides and being our sponsor tonight. So Christian, please. Oh, sorry. I got distracted there a little, <laughs> a little bit there. Um, well, yeah. Thank, and thanks Johnny. Cause it, it is a key point of like service. Like, are you running into, you know, the fire or are you running away from the fire? And that's kind of what I discovered as um, the left foot coach. Um, as a business owner, sorry, I keep getting these things that take over my screen. Um, uh, and they're distracting. What I, can that stop? <laughs> well, she's actually, Kristen, she's putting out your link. <laughs> okay. Got it. Um, it just like overwhelms the whole screen. I can't see. Um, just look yeah, into the that's camera. That's my PTSD that's from concussion. Yeah. Look in the camera. Don't look yeah. at the screen. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, right here. you know, as a business owner for 16 years, um, I had the, you know, I had the ups and downs of, you know, do I want to commit suicide when my business was going down? And, you know, the, there, there were different points in my life that, 
what was I going to do during those times that I didn't have anyone, you know, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, we all go through this. It's all on me. Uh, you know, the Thursday, you know, sometimes the Monday before payroll runs, you know, payroll used to run for us on Friday, but like Wednesday, the money's got to be in the bank, but Monday you're worried about like, are you going to cover, cover that? And so that's why I created the left foot coach because I was noticing that there were all these business owners out there that were alone and, you know, coming home and telling your wife that you don't know you're going to make payroll. It's kind of like the similar conversation you just had that they didn't sign up for that. Um, And so who are you going to tell that you're not going to make payroll or how am I going to make, you know, how am I going to pay the taxes at the end of the month? How am I going to do this? And that kind of fear, um, you know, someone called it the entrepreneur's terror. Um, you can look into an, the eyes of an entrepreneur when they're all in and they don't have the side job or they don't have another job that's paying the rent or, you know, like different things like that. But your business is is doing what it's doing and it's paying for your employees and taxes and healthcare and insurance. Um, that's the entrepreneur's terror. And you can see it in another person's eyes when they're, you know, the employees aren't responsible for making payroll, mm-hmm. you know, but the the account, the accountable entrepreneur is and that's you know the ceo so the left foot coach was created with that in mind of being a partner to the ceo where i don't just coach um the ceo or the entrepreneur i get involved and invested in the in the actual like projects that most ceos oh man it would be great if we had like an employee training program Got it. Let's d- design that because that's going to amplify the business or that's going to like stabilize. Oh, it'd be great if we had metrics or financials. Um, I, have, I have one client right now. They have a huge marketing gap. Um, they don't know if their marketing and advertising is successful. So we've looked at automating all of their core programs, um, developing their messages and building the automation as well as the front door um aspect and that's just part of the services that i'm providing so that's the left foot coach um and the link is in there and i'm trying to go bare bones as much as possible and it's just a little quick easy brochure um but it's uh it's been a great adventure and it's uh being hand in hand with the ceo not like hey you're just gonna go do this on your own yeah, I, I I love that. Um, and I can relate. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> I can definitely relate. Uh, you know, it wasn't like um people don't see they see you on television and they see your successes, but they don't see yeah. all of the blood, sweat, and tears, the long nights, the you know, times yeah. you have to skip tucking your kids in, the birthday parties you have to miss. The mm-hmm. you know they don't see that. You know, they just say, "Oh, Johnny was on TV national." You know, Johnny's interview. Oh, look at that. They, you know, um, but they don't see all of that other stuff. And that's great that you're doing that, Christian. That's amazing. And Gargu is awesome, by the way. <laughs> I keep him <laughs> in my back corner, you know, just so I know he's always there. Well, that's a perfect segue, Johnny. So who would like to share their fundamentals first? Uh, I'm always game. Yeah, like I was born ready. So I, I'm fine either way. Uh if you want to go first, Christian. You guys get to pick. Look at how look at how gentlemanly they are being with each other. Go yeah. for it. I, I, you know, I'll go. I'll go because I, you know, when you asked me this this morning, I've been thinking about it even more. Um, 
I used to say in our academy in the in the in the operations, fun is focused understanding now. That when I'm when I'm focused, I'm present. I am like I'm into whatever I'm doing. You're into whatever you're doing, and it's you know. And we think about flow. Uh, that's focused, right? And then when we have understanding, like just there's presence. It can be communication. It can be with other people. There's total understanding. And when we're now, we're here and now and present. Um, that's fun. And, you know, and I like distinguishing between playfulness and fun. They're two different things. So I like saying focused understanding now is is uh, what fun is for us. Beautiful. Awesome. Beautiful. All right, Johnny, you can bring us home. All right. Well, mine's uh, family God country um, and not necessarily in that order. Um, uh, they're all intertwined to me and and I'll try to be as brief as as I can. To me, I mean, I, I don't, to me, God can be, we're all God. We're all children of God, right? Um, how you view God, I don't judge. Mine is right here. Never leaves my side. This is the only, people have asked me in other interviews, what book do you recommend? I say the Holy Bible. You don't need any other book. Um, <laughs> but that's me. I, you know, I, I actually uh, am very spiritual, not very religious, to be honest with you. Um, I take lessons from a lot of my, my long story, long story short, my grandfather, who I thought was my grandfather was Cherokee. Turns out when we did DNA testing, grandma had some secrets, um, but he taught me, you know, so my whole life, I thought I was part Cherokee um, until like uh, I was in my forties uh, a few years ago. Um, so uh, it turns out grandpa wasn't grandpa. But he's my paddle and and I grew up with him and he taught me he spoke Cherokee, he was born in Cherokee Reservation. Um, and so I, I took a lot of from every religion, has a, lots of good things. And so when I say I put God in the middle for on a purpose because it ties everything together. And um family, not necessarily just those kids, you the little footprints you might hear them now, they're getting a little rowdy. I'm sure my wife is is getting that to that time of night. Um uh, she's can't wait, but but family's not necessarily just just my wife and my kids. They are my heart and soul. But family is also um, your friends, your 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 family. Your family doesn't necessarily have to be your blood your blood family. You know, your family is who you make it, um, and uh, that is the people that you know and you can trust and you build trust. And a lot of times, people will let you down, and and. I can't remember who said it, but it was said, you know, you never know what somebody is going through at that moment. And if they're in that circle that you consider family or friends and you don't know, it's on you, dude. Like you should be, you should check, you should be checking yourself because you're not, you know, uh, you're not being fully there for them too. And I found, and I make this mistake a lot, especially as a CEO and as a left foot coach, I imagine you probably see those CEO. I tell my friends all the time, I am so sorry I'm a crappy friend right now. I really am because I am a crappy friend right now. I am really hard to get a hold of, you know, and I want to be there for all my friends and family. I tell them that all the time, you know, and I, and, and um, but I can only, you know, be in so many places at one time. Um, and then in country, I don't just mean the United States, although the United States to me is, I mean, you can see I bleed red, right, and blue. Um, I'm like a walking, talking Aaron Lewis song that runs a tech company. Um, but 
the but but country is really more i mean community right um country community uh the people you surround your patriotism doesn't necessarily mean you know political patriotism to me is that pursuit of happiness we all have been given a divine right to pursue happiness and that is one of our tenants of our company of Holocell Technologies of Haven now as our is all of our platforms we 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 named them get Haven because it's a safe place it's a safe we've made safe secure environment for every American whether you're a small business owner mid business or a big business you can utilize our technology and we don't judge we don't care we're there to help that pursuit of happiness that it, that everybody in my opinion in our opinion was divinely whoever your higher power is given to you as a human being and um so those are my fundamentals and those are what i try to live by and i fail and i stumble constantly i'm not going to say that i'm perfect but i will say i strive to my best of my ability. Um, like I say, I tell my friends all the time, I'm sorry, I'm a crappy friend, you know, um, but I do strive to do, to do the best that I can. And, and like, for example, as a father, um, you know, my dad, uh, I don't blame him for the, you know, not necessarily being a dad, being a father. Um, uh, he went to whatever was human, probably didn't come out of that jungle of Vietnam. You know, um, and uh, so I'm winging it being a dad, <laughs> you know, like Christmas time game. I didn't know what to do. You know, it was like, uh, I guess I'll listen to movies. So this is what dads do at Christmas, you know. Um, but those are my fundamentals. And I guess all three, if you put them together, it's OK to be human. It's OK to, to, to fail. It's OK to, you know, but it as long as you're striving to help others, as long as you're striving to better yourself and in the process, better the people around you in the community, the country around you. And that's why I put God in the middle. That is the, you know, so that's why I said not necessarily that order. Was that the Oreo stuffing? Kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the God's <laughs> Oreo stuffing holding right. it all together, yeah. right? It's the clue of the together. And whoever you claim, you know, whoever you are, I, I don't mean to say God, like, you know, I, I don't push my views upon anybody. I don't judge. I cast no stone. Um, you know, I if if it works for you and it makes you a better person and it makes you strive to help your friends and your family and your community and your country, I am 100% behind you. And, I and, and uh, yeah, that's my fundamentals. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you both. You've been amazing. Delivered as always. And Dorothy, back to you. Wow. Like... That was just amazing on all different levels. <laughs> I and you're right. And Johnny, we I think we all fall short. <laughs> I mean, uh, and and now this whole thing of uh, putting ourselves first, you know, so something's gonna go. Sometimes we can't always be there for everybody. But right, right, you know. Well, it's like that, that thing with the plane. You hear it all. You see the memes on LinkedIn all the time. Oh, you got to put the oxygen mask on first. But, you know, in reality, you, sometimes you don't have that choice, especially as a parent. You know, like uh, my kids have to eat before I send them to school. So that means guess who gets breakfast first? 
not me. I you know, they do. And then I have a meeting directly after. So there's lots of days I don't get that breakfast, you know, um, but I, I got to feed those kids. You know, they're not capable. Yeah. Well, they're getting to the point where they need to start learning how to cook. Um, but <laughs> we'll address that on another show. We need we need to start <laughs> delegating more. Trust me, I'm there with you, brother. <laughs> I'm there with you. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Inger. Inger joined us a little bit late here from Toronto, Canada. And she says, people never see the blood, sweat, and tears that go into where we are as entrepreneurs. Absolutely. Uh, and yes, family is what you choose. And I've said that because for decades... <laughs> I prefer friends over family some days. <laughs> uh, anyways, that's a whole, that is a whole other episode for another day. <laughs> and uh, I just want to give a shout, one last shout out to, I know, and you're going to, when I say out, all my American friends have something to say about how oh, I wait, say wait, that. Wait, and I just want to give a shout out to one more time to our sponsor for tonight's show, Be Oily with Bonnie, for all your doTERRA oil needs. Get a hold of her at www.beoilywithbonnie.com or give her a text or call at 810-414-0929. As well, don't forget, in order to get a hold of Mr. Leftfoot Coach here, Mr. Christian, go to here. And Johnny's information is in the show note. But do you prefer them to go to your website, Johnny, or how do you prefer people to get a hold of you? Our website is actually being updated right now. Um, okay. It should be good to go in the next like 48 hours because it takes time for it to like circulate through this, this system. Um, it, okay. But um, you can get, go to Get Haven now. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Anybody out there, you can reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty active there. Uh, Facebook, I kind of try to reserve for, you know, friends and family, a little private, a little bit more private. Um, I don't trust either platform because, uh, they get hacked literally every other day. Um, oh yeah. My, my Facebook got hacked, uh, a week before I moved and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm off Facebook now. So. We actually have a, a social networking, uh, uh, application called, uh, Haven create you more than welcome to join it. It's, it's in beta testing. We're inviting the community to come in, but I have to shamelessly plug somebody, Navy Steel will energy drinks. I'm going to have one right now, but the kids are bad. <laughs> if you're on, William, I just plug you, bro. Um, just because you're a good, good, good seal, good American, good entrepreneur, and a good brother. Um, but uh, yeah, Dorothy, thank you for having me. Um, it was a pleasure. And uh, I'm definitely going to check out Left Foot Coach. Perfect. Yeah, great. Yeah, because uh, and I'll just give you the one of the freebie questions I ask is how many vacation days are you having? Um, the, actually, none for about three years. But this year, I made it a point to we're going to um, actually one of the, the founders of the, one of the original members of twenty started twenty two zeros house down in Florida to hang out with him and his family, or Georgia. Right. I mean, uh, so we're going to go down to Georgia and and enjoy the nice warm weather and get out of the Jersey cold for a little bit. Yeah. Well, there you go. Then now you got to check it out because we want to get that. We want to get the vacation days up and I got to 56 uh, vacation days. And that's where, you know, as an entrepreneur, having, having that many vacation days was because I was empowering my team. They were able to serve everything. And I was getting able to get myself out of the job that I had created for myself, which, yeah, you know, that's a trap. That's a cycle that is, um, 
hard to get out of because when you're an entrepreneur, like once the business grows to a certain point, you, you can't micromanage anymore. Yep. You have to just exactly. let your team do what they do. And that was probably one of the hardest transitions for me over the last year was, you know, like separating myself from certain projects. Like I can't be involved in every single project. I just can't. Yep. Um, yeah. It's impossible. Um, that's great. That's great advice. Great advice. And yeah. Christian golfs every Wednesday morning with his dad. So oh, he's creating a four-day week. I've sponsored golf events for veterans. And uh, at one point, I think we were golfing backwards. Uh, <laughs> well, so, since uh, you're talking about golfing, I'm putting a shameless plug in. This is August 19th is the Don Graham Memorial Classic second year. So August 19th, we've officially put the date this weekend. So I would like all my American friends and family to come over here to Canada to a hick town called Tilbury. And we're going to show you how to party and golf. Um, it sounds great to me. Uh, sounds like a blast. I and mean, we, we had a bunch of Marines and we were literally hitting the ball and people were ducking at the green and somebody, somebody's like, I think you guys are going the wrong way. And we were raising money for cancer. I, there is a woman that I reached out to who, when my dad was first diagnosed with cancer, she helped me get, you know, answer some questions. So the money raised will be going to her organization that uh, they meet once a month and just bring support to the community in Chatham, Kent, Ontario. So yes, we're Dude, raising money, awesome. having fun, it. and trust me, Tillbillies know how to party. And please, if we offend you, <laughs> you're, you're not going to offend a Marine when it comes to partying. <laughs> oh, you don't know my brother. He's a hick. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm a hick too. I grew up horse ranching. So yeah. Oh, anyways, we'll finish this conversation off air. But I just want to thank all of our guests for for joining us today. Thank you so much, Christian and uh, Johnny, for for being with us tonight. Be unstoppable in all that you do, guys. And remember, uh, next time, next week, same time, same channel. Bye for now. Thanks for having me.